0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon at Fountain City Church. We hope that you are blessed by this message today. If you'd like to learn more, you can check out our website at fountaincity.org. Hey, listen, we're going to take the next couple of moments, and I just want to tie up our series together with one final word. All right. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 will be kind of our primary text this morning. This is what I'd like to do. I just want to run through, this is what we've talked about the last seven weeks, and then I want to talk to you for like five to ten minutes on this idea of submitting to one another um, and how that ties into the fear of the Lord, okay? Um, So we are jumping into our series, Debrief. Um, And really the goal of today's like today, like I told you guys a moment ago, is just to encourage you to go past just hearing the word. Um, If you were with us last week, then you heard that passage out of uh, the book of James where he says, don't just be hearers of the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Right? It's a terrifying word. The idea that we would hear and hear and hear and never do anything with it is like us swallowing dynamite and expecting it not to do anything. (laughs) Like this this word of God is meant to do something in us. And so um, we want to partner with that this morning by reviewing everything we're talking about. Um, Over the last seven weeks, we've been talking about the fear of the Lord. Uh, In week one, we spoke about how the fear of the Lord is the birthplace of all-consuming love for God. And we really believe this year is meant for us to be talking about what does it mean to love God with all of our hearts and souls and mind and strength. Um, And this is where it begins. It begins with seeing God rightly. That's why what happens when we worship together or when we pray, when we begin to get a vision for what God is doing in the earth, when we get into the scriptures and we understand who he actually is, that he is a holy God that He is seated in majesty, that He loves us, that He's compassionate. When I see Him rightly, then I start to walk in the fear of the Lord, and that challenges the way that I live in love toward Him, right? Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. And so as we get this vision of who God is, we start to honor Him differently. Uh, In week number two, the Lord visited us with His presence in a powerful way. I don't know if you guys remember. I remember... Um, working for two days on a sermon and not getting more than like three sentences in, which is not normal for me. That is code from God to me to say, quit, trying, grant, and I'm going to do something different. <laughs> okay, I'm learning after years. Um, and he really invited us to ascend the hill of the Lord. Um, that passage out of Psalm chapter 23, I believe, or 24, where he says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? He who is, who is blameless who has clean hands and a pure heart, who doesn't lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. You guys remember that passage? And it was this invitation for us. If we're going to see him, the other thing that happens is we start to see ourselves. I have to actually see the reality of who I am and where I am. It's not enough to come into church on a Sunday morning and say, man, he's good. He actually wants us to see what's in us. He wants us to be with him. All throughout the scriptures from Old Testament to New, the idea is God is moving into the neighborhood. He wants you close. But what happens when the God who is consuming fire and pure holiness comes close to sinful broken flesh? (laughs) Nothing good. So what does he do? He cleanses us by the blood of His Son, Jesus. He cleanses us by the dwelling of His Spirit. He invites us to take um, an assessment of our lives and say, Holy Spirit, what doesn't belong? And hopefully, hopefully in our community, you have wrestled with some of that over the past several weeks. God, if I'm going to be a person who dwells in Your presence, if You are going to dwell here, the Father and the Son come and dine with us, then what does it mean for me to be holy and set apart? Um, It was good. Week uh, Number three, Brandon McKenzie spoke, did a phenomenal job. um, And he was talking about recognizing the presence of the Lord. Um, I don't know if you remember, he had this kind of one phrase. I've listened to his message three or four times. If you didn't hear it, you need to go back and listen to it. Um, But he kept saying, it has become easy for me to find the Lord in things because I'm constantly looking for him. What does it mean to be people who are so... um, Our appetite is so much for the presence of the Lord that I'm searching for him everywhere else. It becomes very easy to find him when I'm looking for him, right? Jeremiah says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Like when I turn and I'm hungry just for him, I'm going to find him no matter what. And God makes himself very transparent to us in those seasons. Um, Week number four, we talked about holiness and how without holiness, no one sees the Lord. Was that challenging for anybody else? I know it was for me. Without holiness, without being set apart to God, we can't actually see him. As much as maybe I would want to, if I'm consistently partnering with things in the world, it clouds my vision from recognizing who he is. It keeps me from participating in what he's up to, because I'm constantly being pulled toward the things of this earth instead of into what he is doing. Right? Uh, And we talked about that role of priests. Um, Some of you may remember that. A priest is an intercessor. A priest is a prophetic symbol, and a priest is a living sacrifice. And this is what God is calling us into, to being people who understand what it means to be intercessors and symbols of God's kingdom, His of heaven on earth right now, and also that we would be people who are willing to lay down our lives in service to God. In week number five, we talked about honoring God by honoring His Word. Um, Who's the Word of God? Jesus. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the Word of God is living and active. He's sharper than any double-edged sword. And He penetrates to dividing my soul, the, the fleshly fallen parts of me, from my spirit. Those parts that are redeemed. It's His breath in me. And that He judges the thoughts and the attitudes of my heart. It's the way that the spirit gets in and He begins to remove the things that don't belong. It's a process that we call sanctification. And how many of you know, if you belong to Jesus, then his spirit is actively at work in your life. And when you partner with him, you grow. Good? Sanctification. Okay. Last week, we spoke about honoring the word of the Lord and not allowing our hearts to grow hard, but to repent and to stay open to his voice at all costs. And so my hope is, my prayer is, this week, uh, you have been wrestling with what it means to make sure that your heart isn't hard. Does anybody this week? You feel like the Lord really kind of used that to speak to you, kind of check some things in you? Anybody be willing to share? Oh, lots of hands. Okay, praise God. Good. Yeah, it's really easy for us folks uh, to just kind of like get super familiar with God and for our hearts to go hard. Um, and so He wants to check that thing in us. Uh, it's in Hebrews where He says, "Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts like those in the rebellion in the wilderness. Do not harden your hearts." And so today, we want to make sure that our hearts are tender and soft to Him. Okay, everybody good? All right, I'm going to speak for the next 10, 15 minutes on the last way that we fear the Lord and honor His name. Uh, If you're taking notes, feel free to jump in there. We'll have several scriptures on the the screens behind us. Um, I want to do it by just introducing this this story that's always kind of caught my attention. There's a story in Luke chapter 18 where this rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he asks him this kind of drive-by question. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why are you calling me good? Only God is good. But in this moment, if you're standing there, Lindy, and you hear this guy say, hey, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? What do you expect Jesus to say? Anybody? What do you anticipate Jesus is going to say if this guy's saying, hey, how can I live forever? In my imagination, if I climb into this story, what I quickly think Jesus is going to say is something like this. Hey, you need to make sure that you are loving God with your whole heart and with your mind and your soul and your strength and doing everything you can. Like, are you fasting? Are you praying? Have you given tithes lately? Anybody else? Like if if somebody comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life?" I think what he's going to do is say, are you being as passionate about your spiritual growth in God as possible? Right? Isn't that what you would think? This is literally every time I come to this story, this is what I feel like is about to creep out of Jesus' mouth. And it's really interesting that Jesus doesn't say anything like that. It's not that that's not a part of the equation, but Jesus is pointing his finger into something that we need to see here. Luke 18, verse 20. Listen to this. Jesus' response is, you know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And the rich young guy is like, man, I, I've done all these things since I was a boy. What's Jesus getting at? Verse 22, And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack this one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. Interesting. In a moment where Jesus is faced with a question about how to receive life that is truly life, Jesus points the rich young man to every question that causes him to see that eternal life is connected to how he loves people around him. Think about it. Not a single one of those commands is God-facing. Every one of those commands is because you love God, are you doing these things? Oftentimes, one of the things that we trip over the most, one of the most hazardous parts um, of our spirituality is where I can start to isolate off my passion for God from the way that I love and serve other people. And I think, and this is a good Jewish thing, as long as I add more religious traditions, as long as I add more things that I'm doing for God, God directed, I'm having my quiet time, Pastor Grant. Pastor Grant, I listen to worship music every morning by myself in my room. I'm really growing, Pastor Grant. I've repented of my sins every night in my room. We think we're healthy and spiritually strong. I, I speak in tongues, Pastor Grant. Bravo. I, I have all kinds of spiritual gifts, Pastor Grant good good are you loving sacrificially the people around you is is my spirituality connected to this practical thing that jesus calls laying down my life it, it's an interesting thing that jesus would so connect the two thoughts That he comes back to it again and again and again. And even in moments where you feel like he's going to give you a spiritual answer about um, your, your connection to God only, he directly connects it to the way you lay down your life for other people. So we're bringing this conversation around the fear of the Lord to a close today, but I want to close it by saying that one of the core ways that we live in the fear of the Lord, one of the primary ways you are going to honor and worship God all throughout the rest of your life is going to be loving the people around you sacrificially as a way of loving God. Can I say it again? One of the core ways we live in the fear of the Lord and the honor of God is the way that you treat other people. I I wonder what it would look like for our church community um, if we didn't just talk it, but we walked it. If we didn't just talk about this maturity in God that seemed really healthy, but lacked any real teeth on what was going on in the community around us. It lacks teeth, it lacks strength if I talk about this relationship with God, but then I'm just consumed with myself and Netflix and the next meal and sleeping late and then doing it again. And it never translates into actual action where I'm loving and serving other people. It's one of the chief revelations we find in Jesus, and it's so counterintuitive to a religious mindset that when asked what is the greatest commandment, Jesus says without blinking, The greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And the second one is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Oof. This grated on the Pharisees. This grates on religious mindsets who say relationship with God is priority, but we divorce it from people. Jesus says, no, no, no. These things are tethered together. In fact, if you want to prove, if you want to look for the proof that someone is relationally mature in Christ, look to see how much they love and serve other people. Right? Not just can we talk the talk, not just can I quote the verse, am I living it? Am I living it? Am I putting it to work week in and week out? Jesus saying it's impossible to say that I love God with everything if I'm not living in love towards the people around me. <clears throat> And then, just in case you were a little too comfortable with that, Jesus says, and your neighbors, by the way, are even your enemies who are in need. The thing that marks um, communities of people following Jesus is that we don't just love people who are nice to us, we actually love the very people who hate us. Enemy love is at the center of what it means to belong to Christ. So, who's your enemy? Are you putting this passion and love for Jesus, this worship on a Sunday morning, this kind of zeal for the Lord? Does it translate into the way you're loving even them? He says, my disciples will be known by their love. Jesus said that my disciples, those who say that they follow me, they will be recognizable by the way that they love other people. Not known by their knowledge not known by their special events, not known by their services, my disciples will be recognized by love. Love, not, not the kind of love that we kick around in my generation and below, like, I love you, but I'm not really going like, to do anything for you or help you in any way. Don't call me if your car runs out of gas. I don't care if you're moving on Saturday. I'm busy, right? <laughs> not that kind of love. The kind of love that sees someone so much as a part of me, That if Nacy reaches out, even if it's inconvenient to me, I know that it is my responsibility as a little finger in the body of Christ to move in cooperation with the spirit who delights in her. That I will equally pour myself out for her. You with me? Do you feel that kind of unity and intensity that is portrayed in the body? This is what he calls us to. So hear me. Are you recognized by love? Can people look at your life and say, God, that is one of the most loving people I've ever been around? I think the older I get, the more that I realize how important this is. That when people are around me, when they're around you, that they would walk away and the feeling that they would carry, Noel, is I don't know if he's smart. I don't know if he's genuine. I know he's really, really loving. Really, really, he will love me. When you die, will people be tempted to etch that into your headstone? Here lies a person who loved deeply. You know, I love the idea of being excellent at what I do as as a pastor. I'm even tempted sometimes to try to impress people, okay? Guilty confessions. But the thing that catches God's eye is the sacrificial love that you show towards others. You want to catch God's eye? Lay your life down for other people. It's a direct correlation with your love for Him. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Listen to that. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Out of your fear and honor of Jesus, who has saved you and redeemed you, submit or subordinate yourself to somebody else. That literally means to place yourself below others as their servant. What are you talking about, Jesus? Paul, what are you talking about? People are going to take advantage of you. And Jesus says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He completely flips how we do leadership, how we do authority, that even those who are in authority are called to serve, that each and every one of us is called to this dramatic form of service. Now, now what's the challenge here for us? What if I submit myself to you, but you aren't willing to submit yourself to me? It's a problem, right? If I submit to Jasmine, if I'm lowering myself to serve and meet her needs, it's not because I'm less than, it's that I think so highly of her because of what Christ thinks of her, that I'm willing to elevate and lift her. But if she doesn't do the same, it becomes really imbalanced, right? And many of us aren't willing to submit to somebody else out of fear that it won't come reciprocated. And so we actually just kind of stay at a distance and we don't serve and we don't lower ourselves. And we end up with a community of people who are independent and still acting for their own own needs. And God is calling us to do something wildly different. He is calling us to be the kind of people who are willing, no matter your status, no matter your socioeconomic place, no matter anything, that you are willing to lower yourselves and serve other people. It's a wild invitation. Some of you in the room might be thinking, man, that's unwise. I got got taken advantage of before, Pastor Grant. Don't tell me this is the way. Because I know if I put myself out there and then people don't do the same. Guys, it is the same picture that's in marriage. I am called to lay my life down for that woman right there, whether or not she respects me. Jesus has called me to faithfulness, to lay my life down regardless. And he has called her to love and respect and submit to me whether or not I'm trustworthy. It is a dangerous picture if we're not both in this thing. Can I invite you into the dangerous picture of this living organism called the body of Christ and the church of the living God? Where he calls you to faithfulness regardless of what the person to your left and right does. And when we both embrace this beautiful truth, it changes the world around us. Amen? Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Um, I've got more notes than I have time this morning. I should have known that. Um, You know, one of the mistakes that we have made is to move toward, um, like, I need to put myself down in order to honor and lift someone up. That's not at all what the scripture is talking about. He says, be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. It means to give preference to other people. Out of the fear of the Lord, out of knowing who he is and what he's done in me, I will give you preference instead of choosing first. It reminds me of that story where Abraham and Lot are standing and their men have started to get in fights and they're like, hey, we actually need to split paths. It's becoming too much. And Abraham, who is the chosen vessel of God to bring his kingdom to the earth, think about it, looks at Lot and he says, you pick first. I'll just take the leftovers out of whatever you think, uh, you don't want. And God looks at Abraham and says, That's my boy. Good choosing, Abraham. Think about it. How often do we address relationships like that? Or in marriage, I want to go first. Let me tell you what we're going to do on a Friday night. You know? But Jesus says, Hey, the, the best way here is to actually give preference to somebody else, to yield so that this person feels elevated. Hey, what do you want to do? What would it look like to create a community of people where we learn to yield to one another and say, what do you think? What do you think? What would you like? Because when I prefer someone else, I don't fight to get my way. I don't fight for people to do things the way that I want or how, just how I see them. Serving others is my way of inviting God's protection and provision into my life because when I yield to others, I'm yielding to God. It's good stuff. All right, I'm going to close with Philippians chapter 2. I reread this this week, and one phrase punched me in the mouth. So I want to punch you in the mouth this morning with Philippians (laughs) 2. Welcome. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Verse 5, in your relationships with one another, what did it say? In your relationships with one another, one more time, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He didn't consider it something to use to his own advantage. Is what my translation says. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. In your relationships with one another, Jesus says, do that. How do I see myself in connection with Emily Fisher or Jaleesha Fitzpatrick, and say, you know what? I'm not going to consider equality or doing anything that's to my own advantage. I'm actually going to try to humble myself and be a servant. And what does it look like to fear the Lord in such a way and to see Him that the way I interact with the people around me changes completely? Amen? All right. Father, give us wisdom to apply Your Word this morning. In our discussions together, God, I just ask You, That you would antagonize our hearts, Lord, to see the truth, Father. That you would open our eyes. I confess, Lord, that what I'm talking about this morning, I haven't accomplished. Lord, for all of us, we're consumed with our own dreams and preferences and ideas. But Father, you've called us into a bigger kingdom. Where I'm not at the center, you are. And honoring you means loving and serving others around me. So, Lord, would you help us even now to put that to work? God, as we discussed today, um, Father, I just recognize that there's a lot of people in here who are um, introverted, Lord, they just don't like talking in groups. This room full of people freaks them out. Lord, would you help? Would you just come and help us? Father, we know that we depend and rely on each other, but would you help us this morning to connect the dots and to really put to work what you're saying to us as a community? We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.